0: Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson, Episode 8, Michelle Fife. back to artist proof i'm your host adrian johnson and welcome to episode eight this is the first episode of the new year 2016 and um i think i got a great episode for you guys today um this is this conversation is with my good friend uh cartoonist michelle Uh, michelle is a brooklyn-based cartoonist and um You know, he's he's someone that, you know, I really admire and uh, he's just an awesome dude, man. And, um, you know, I actually came to um, um, know him um, primarily through his uh, articles that he would write on several of his uh, favorite artists of uh, all time. And coincidentally, a lot of those artists were my favorite artists as well. So, you know, we definitely um, formed a kinship almost immediately uh, just through just through uh, those articles. And then uh, at the same time, you know, coming across his uh, cartooning efforts um, was was just fantastic. You know, I, I love this stuff, you know, from the start um, it had a quirkiness to it that attracted me. But you can see that uh, Michelle was very passionate And he, you know, had a very specific um, point of view um, that was fun. But also, you can see the craft inherent um, in his cartooning also. And so, in in rapid succession, I picked up his, um, all of his um, self-published comics, uh, such as uh, Zegas, his Death Zone comic, uh, which is a tribute to um, perhaps um, his favorite comic of all time, favorite comic series which is uh DC's The Suicide Squad um as written by John Ostrander and illustrated by Luke McDonnell. And then finally, uh, coming to present day, um his current uh self-published uh superhero monthly comic uh Copra uh C-O-P-R-A and Copra has garnered um serious serious um critical acclaim and uh, fans have just loved um, this book. And, um, you know, all, all, all the best to him for that. You know, I know it's been a long time coming uh, for him in terms of, you know, um, um, just getting getting Cobra off the ground. And, um, you know, to his credit, he has done so in a major way. So you guys need to check that out. And then in addition to the uh, acclaim and everything, uh, Cobra also garnered him a couple of... Um, mainstream assignments with marvel comics um such as a year's run on um the comic uh all new ultimates and then last summer or this past summer rather um he had a um one shot um that was a part of the um uh summer event uh secret wars from marvel and it was entitled secret love uh, which is a daredevil story uh, with the villainous uh typhoid mary and and um, it also was a uh, tribute to another one of his favorite cl- uh, comic book runs of all time, which is uh, Daredevil, as depicted by writer Ann Ocenti and artist John Romita Jr. And coincidentally, that's one of my favorite runs as well. Um, so every time Michelle and I get together, we, we definitely, <laughs> it all devolves into talking about those old comics, you know, just just base level, you know what I'm saying. So he speaks my language, man, and um, and yeah. So I, I think you guys will enjoy the um the rapport that he and I have, in addition to the knowledge that he drops and the passion that comes across when he's talking about, you know, just doing, just making comics, just just fucking make it, you know, as as he as he's want to say. And um, just taking a break here for a second to let you guys know that uh, this episode. And all episodes of Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson are produced by Anasim Studios LLC. Now, Anasim Studios is my personal um, outlet for anything um, creative uh, that I may produce, uh, such as not only this podcast, but also um, my fine art, um, commercial work, and um, some creator-owned comics that I should have coming down the pike this year, most definitely, you know. Um, So definitely check it out, Uh, go to inazumstudios.com, that's I-N-A-Z-U-M-A, studios, all one word, dot com. And hey, if you found this uh, episode on iTunes, um, consider subscribing to the show. Uh, Not only will you obviously uh, receive the show first uh, once I um, upload it, uh, but you can also leave a review or comment uh, for the show as well on there. And, you know, any review or comment, that would definitely be appreciated uh, just to hear back from you guys, guys and gals. And, um, you know, be it ill or good or what have you, anything in between, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, just as long as you, I hear back from you guys, uh, that, that would be um, awesome. That would be fantastic, man. Uh, so definitely sus, uh, consider subscribing. And um, if you want, also, you can also go to AdnazmanStudios.com and uh, find the um, show's site on there. And you can also leave comments on there as well. So, you know, pick your poison, you know, do it, and, um, you know, say what you feel. So that's anosmastudios.com. Now, before we jump into the uh, conversation, um, just the, uh synopsize, if that's a word, uh, what, what, uh, what was said just briefly. Um, you know, Michelle talks about the low risk of just making comic books. You know, it's not like, you know, Hollywood production or, you know, these type of things where you have to have, you know, um, just, just, just a gang of people, you know, collaborating on it, although that happens. But it's something that if you want a singular vision or, you know, just want to just make, make the comic, you know, it, it costs you nothing really except, you know, pencil and paper and maybe a sore drawing hand, you know, and that's all it takes just to, you know, just to make the comic. And then also his uh, do-it-yourself attitude to uh, self-publishing, uh, wearing several different hats and just getting it out there Foremost, most, just getting whatever your story is just out there, you know what I'm saying? And then having a game plan to do so. Because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of us, including myself, uh, we, we want to make comics, you know? But, you know, comics is definitely one of those uh, challenges that you have to um, especially if you're thinking or considering um, doing a story or whatever, just for an extended period of time, you know, you have to have a game plan in place, you know, not just the story outline, but, you know, how are you going to publish it? You know, what are the logistics behind doing so? And having a game plan or a, um, a mile marker, if you will, as to the progress that you want to have occur would definitely be a big help, and it kind of makes that process perhaps a little less scary, but there's still a lot of sweat equity and labor involved. So, you know, we discussed that. And then um, finally, uh, just having the rhythm of cartooning, if you will. Um, the, the way Michelle equates it, as you'll hear, it's like having a muscle that needs to be exercised and strengthened in order to have the stamina to produce, you know, Regularly, you know, and um, you know, don't be fooled. You know, cartooning, as most of you know, it's definitely something that you have to have the uh, the longevity to do. You know, even if it's just a book, you know, just a single issue. You know, you have to have the commitment and the stamina um, to make it happen. Um, because I'm always want to say that even the worst comic book in the world, even the worst comic book that you can think of, took somebody saying. Hey, I want to do that, you know, and you have to you have to uh, give it up for the effort and the thought and just the stamina it took for that person to put that out, you know what I'm saying? And then to put another one out, and then another one. And you know, to really if they're if they were so inclined to go forth with it. So there's definitely a rhythm of cartooning that um has to happen in order to make you know any type of career or get any type of story across um, to the world you know at large. So that's definitely another consideration. And um, you can find uh, Michelle online at his own website, which is michellefife.com. Or you can also purchase uh, back issues of any of his self-published efforts as well as um, original art and prints, on his uh, Etsy store uh, at Etsy.com. And his storefront is White House, which is W-H-I-T-E-H-A-U-S, uh, White House. And you can find all of his goodies on there. So definitely go check that out. And go check out this conversation that I had with Michelle. Uh, this is Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson, episode eight with my buddy, Michelle Fifa. And uh, tonight, I'm speaking with a very good friend of mine, who's also one of my favorite cartoonists, um, currently um, doing his own creator-owned um, book. Uh, that, that's repetitive. Uh, <laughs> 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 but he's doing his own book. Um, it's uh, Copra, and he just celebrated its 25th issue. Uh, the artist that I'm speaking to is Mr. Michel Fife. What is hey, going on, y'all? sir? Yo, it's straight, man. How, how you doing? Thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Oh, no problem. No problem, dude. Um, I know we see each other, you know, almost once a year. You know, almost annually. I think, yeah,
1: well, once a year, maybe if we're lucky. If I'm lucky, yeah, if I'm down there, that's one of the shows.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, you know, for uh, to note for uh, listeners, um, I had known uh, Michelle for a, a number of years um, before we actually met, like, you know, maybe... Three or four years, maybe even long longest five years before we oh, actually way, met? Way longer than that, I think. Really? Oh, that's right, because you... Way back. Yeah, yeah, because you knew... No, back when I started listening to Sidebar, I think
1: that's when I started reaching out to you guys, because we all like the same sort of stuff.
0: That's right. And that's when I was
1: kind of discovering podcasts, so I just kind of binged on every episode, um... I believe it was the Dennis kowan episode back. In, you know that was like a sweet spot for me. So I think that's that was back then. So whenever that came out, you know,
0: wow, that. that's crazy. Yeah, because I first joined the show the um, episode be- before that with Jose uh, Anderson.
1: That's crazy. God. That's... Oh man, that's right. Yeah, I went back and listened to that one.
0: Yeah. Oh man! So oh my bad, Dan. I, wow. I
1: listened up I listened to a bunch of them. I mean, Jose Anderson. I love that guy. So oh yeah, it was it was just crazy seeing the list of all the dudes. I mean, you guys were interviewing fucking Ken Bruzenak. You know, like that was crazy <laughs> to me. So I mean, that was great. But anyway, enough about those dudes.
0: Right, right. <laughs> man, but yeah. So I, so I guess it stands um, that I've known Michelle for. Oh, mm-hmm. almost over it. Well, not over a decade, but close. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is, is that once I, I came to explore your stuff actually through, like, your uh, journalistic pieces. And that may be a good place to start, man. Uh, right, right. Just in terms of when when I think of your stuff, I mean, even now, and when I first got introduced to it by going to your blog and everything... Um, the thing that struck me was that you're what I would consider a, a pure cartoonist, meaning that you you are uh, you, you really embody just the craft, the love, the labor, just everything about cartooning, man. And one of those things that struck me is, is that we both have a mutual um admiration and you know just downright love for some of the same um creators from back in the day you know be it jim apparel trevor von eden uh klaus jansen just you know a lot tony salmons you know just a lot of those guys and um so i came to um explore your stuff through your journalistic pieces writing about you know um those guys and i guess for me to start um it would be to ask, like, where, where did the, um, I guess, I guess that 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 passion start? Not necessarily just for those guys, but for cartooning and making your own work in general.
1: Well, I think on a on a on a basic broader level, I think it was just curiosity, mm. you know, and and the fact that I wanted to be in comics somehow, anyhow, doing anything, you know, like I wanted to break in no matter what. Yeah, and that meant you know, working in comic shops
2: mm-hmm. that
1: meant assisting people, uh, going to conventions. Uh, and part of it, part of that was that journalistic side, which by the way, I kind of, I'm kind of, I don't want to call it journalism or anything because I did not do that. That's like a real profession, you know what I mean? Even <laughs> Comics journalism, that's like another monster.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: all I did was like, I looked up people I liked and asked them questions. It was like a natural curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I figured, well, that's just an extension of me learning and discovering things about the form and the history. So it was all just because I was curious. I mean, when I first interviewed I him, should, I should backtrack. It started with Trevor Bonita, yes, like you mentioned. Um, I just, I was in love with the guy. I was rediscovering yeah. his work. And I, I was like, well, what happened to him? You know, he was so talented. What happened to me should have taken over the world, right? Mm. So I, I tracked him down. It was a little difficult. But I finally got through to him or I got to him and he agreed to an interview and it got published by the comics journal. And that was a big deal to me in, you know, in itself. But the thing is, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just asking questions, you know, but I can't read that article now because it was, you know, I'm not going to say it's terrible. You know, I bust my ass on it and it was, you know, it was very, um, it was enthusiastic, but it was very raw. I mean, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. So, Mm-hmm. But I kept going anyway. So I hunted him down. I hunted Mark Badger down, Ty Templeton, just a bunch of people I really loved. And uh, uh, excuse me. And uh, that's where that came from—just me wanting to talk to dudes that I really enjoyed and uh, wanted to learn from. And um, and then it took over from there for a little bit. You know, there were a couple of years where that's kind of mostly what I did. You know, writing pieces and essays on on my interest in hunting down younger cartoonists and, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, so it didn't surprise me that that's what you were exposed to at first because, you know, I mean, I was doing mini comics. I was doing web comics. I mean, I was trying to do everything. You know, I was trying to see what stuck because I needed something to stick. So I'm glad that, that, you know, I'm proud of that stuff too, you know. That's why I don't want to badmouth it too much because, I mean, I can't read it, but I really appreciate the effort those guys, you know, put
0: in to talk to me for hours you know yeah yeah and, and you know and, and that's the other thing too michelle um because I, I have a similar trajectory as far as you in terms of wanting that discovery of those um uh of those creators you know that mm-hmm. i just enjoy so thoroughly and you know um uh, same thing i i worked in a comic shop for like several years and I also was curious myself, so I would gobble up, you know, anything that I read, you know, or could find online about, you know, long think pieces or long interviews or just any morsel mm-hmm. I could get a hold of, you know, just really right. to just, you know, read about them and to absorb, you know, some of the facts or, you know, maybe even some of their essence yeah. in a way, you know, so that it would kind of yeah, sink yeah. in me, you know, because that that's the thing with uh, cartooning and comics, like, you know. Um, obviously, there are schools for it, you know, like SCAD and Joe Cuban and so forth. But there's really, right. there's really no instruction manual about here. Take this manual. You are now a cartoonist. Go forth and <clears> do <throat> work. It doesn't work like that. You know what I'm saying? Right, and right, I, right. And, and and the other thing that I respond that I responded to you as well was just your work ethic, man. Like like you mentioned just a moment ago about just you know cranking out you know your mini comics. Um, doing web comics and really just honing your craft over several years, you know, or even before that, just even as as kids, you know, we start drawing, but there's some of us that keep drawing, you know what I mean? And it metastasizes into something else. And that work ethic, you know, is key for a cartoonist. And I, I guess from that, My next question would be just in terms of that work ethic, man, um, being a young cartoonist, um, how how did that inform your process? Because with you doing Copra today, uh, the work work ethic definitely pays off because you're having to do literally an issue in three to four weeks. You know what I'm saying? So is there like a rhythm to cartooning for you? Um, do, you, do you feel, cause I, that's what I think it kind of boils down to work ethic and finding a rhythm to uh, produce the stuff. Right. Well,
1: you're totally right. But I also think it boils down to like the hunger, you know, which kind of speaks to that sort of uh, curiosity that you were talking about. You know, where you, we just want to learn whether it be the business side or the history mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's no manual, you know, on how to get in. It's always, it's always different, you know, and you know, Guys like us, or all cartoonists, really, we all look for a way to get in somehow, anyhow. Maybe yeah. some some people stumble upon it. Uh, maybe a position is handed to people. Other people never break in. Of you know, uh... maybe others it takes longer than others. You know, it, it just varies, right? Yeah. There is no manual, um, but you're hungry for information, you know. And you, some people may not have that, or may, they may have hunger for a different thing. You know, maybe they don't care about the history. Maybe they don't care about how they don't want to know how the retail aspect works. You know, all that stuff is sort of like, it's not their problem. Mm-hmm. And they have every right to feel that way. They They just want to be a different kind of creator. Yeah. But for me, I just wanted to sort of understand as many facets of it as possible. I was just naturally curious. It wasn't sort of. It wasn't like a mercenary thing, like, well, maybe if I worked for the Comics Journal, I could get work at Marvel. Like,
2: that's just, that's
1: not the thinking behind that. That wouldn't make any sense anyway, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just out of a natural curiosity, right? Yeah. And so, like you said, there was a rhythm already set in place by sort of putting in the work, putting in the hours, um, whether you're in your teens or your 20s or your 30s or however old, um, and you just kind of build a muscle. To fit that rhythm, you know. I mean, when when I was talking all this stuff about interviewing and working in shops and all that stuff, minis and zines and all that, I had a day job, you know, yeah. as most of us do, or the not, you know, the non, you know, the people that haven't broken into the, the bigger companies, yeah, you know, the struggling aspiring artists or the, you know, a lot of alternative independent cartoonists too. They have day jobs. They have families. Their schedules are full. And so they, what little time they have, they take that hunger and passion and they try to crank something out of value, you know what I mean? Like something to just make a dent. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that's what I was trying to do, man. That's what I was trying to do with everything I did, whether it be a post on old Walt Simonson pinups, you know, or, or, or making a mini comic, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that mini comic was going to be seen or not, you know, um, so, yeah, you were asking about the rhythm. I mean, that kind of helps it. Oh, that helps my current situation considerably because it's constant. It's just I'm doing the same stuff, only now I'm fortunate enough to make a living from these comics, mm. from the Cobra comics, Yeah. that now it's just constant. I don't have to clock out, clock in. Uh, it's just all the time. And uh, as long as I'm willing to do that, I think I'll be fine. We'll, we'll see where takes me um i'd like to do it forever i'd like to ease up on my schedule a little bit but you know it it ebbs and flows you know just because the schedule doesn't change you still have family you still have things to do yeah um the workload always increases no matter how much you try to stabilize it Mm -hmm. it's just always constant so but i'm again i'm fortunate
0: so yeah yeah i i totally understand trust me man you know being a freelancer myself you know not just with um making comics but just freelance in general it's is uh-huh. very tough and challenging um but but i, I mean that's the thing yeah you got to keep doing you right like the the freelance life that
1: is that uh, is already like super tough right yeah. Yeah. you know i mean there's uh, there's different facets to working in comics right like there's a self-publishing, there's working for the big two or for a, a publisher or whatever. And then freelance is just another type of grind, you know, and mm-hmm. just, which is one that I wanted to do too. I was trying to do everything. I, I wanted to do my little independent comics. I wanted mm-hmm. to break into the big two. I wanted to just do, you know, page rate material for just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Like I was not above anything. I wanted work. Again, I was hungry. Mm-hmm. I wanted the it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was tough. It got to a point where it was like, all right, it's really competitive, and it's it's no, you know, you know, I can't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, it, you know, there's times when it like it goes well, and then it doesn't. You know, or you mm-hmm. don't. The thing is, you don't if you if you don't start seeing results, um, and you have to kind of identify what those results are. But if you don't see them, then that's a little troubling. You know, that kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit, you know, especially if you do it year after year, and you're really passionate, and you're really hungry for it, and you're angry about it, and you're pissed, and you're determined, and you're positive, and it's like everything all at once every day. It's a little exhausting, and if you don't see any results, any forward momentum, Mm -hmm. it's like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? What am I doing, you know? (laughs) And then if you, you you know, and after a decade or two of that, it's like, all right, you really have to take stock of what the hell you're doing with your time because then it's like well then you're just
0: insane <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. well well let me ask you this man um you speaking of breaking in and that's just an overall general term that people say oh i want to break yeah, into comics. Yeah, yeah just this is what I, oh i want to break in you know, and, and I've seen, and, and you've shown online, you know, samples of submissions that you sent in. You know, there was a Daredevil story, there was a G.I. Joe story that you submitted to IDW. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? And I, and since you're speaking about you know, at a point where um, you, you had to take stock of, you know, what, what you were doing, I, I wonder if there was a point for you after you're you know, sending in submissions and so forth to where, you know, you're just like well, maybe i should just concentrate on some of my own stuff my own creations you know my mini comics and so forth you know even through copra uh today <laughs> just to like say all right well if i'm going to do something let me at least put some of my own work out there you know what i'm saying and did right. it did right. it did it reach a point where like in terms of it kind of leveled out as far as like you getting traction with your own work and then you were able to kind of back off the mainstream work. And then later on, the mainstream actually came for you. It came looking for you, in a sense. You know? Right, right, right. Well,
1: it, it, it's kind of interesting because ever since high school, I wanted to do both. I wanted to have, like, my independent work that I could totally control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and I also wanted to work for Marvel, DC, and whoever, big company, you know, the, the big companies. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do both. And so, and I got to say, when I submitted pages to the big companies, um, that, that that would be a period of your short period, and then I would kind of get discouraged or nothing would happen, and so I'm like, well, fuck those companies. I'm going to do my <laughs> own
2: shit. Yeah.
1: And I would do my own thing, and then that kind of, you know, that lasted a little longer. So my point is, for decades, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't a period of just, like, just mainstream And then, okay, well, I'm going to finally concentrate on my own stuff. I always did both sort of at the same time uh, with, you know, varying degrees of success or failure or whatever. But I tried. I tried both. And I got to say, when I submitted to, like, Marvel and DC and all these other companies, um, I don't think I did that much. Thinking back on it, like, really? I I mean, there's guys, I mean, you know the legend. Not legend. I mean, it's been proven, but, like, Todd McFarlane would send in submission samples almost every week, you mm-hmm. know, and he would have that crazy graph, that crazy person graph yeah. of who he sent it to and he didn't <laughs> care. He was just so aggressive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, that's what you have to do. I feel like you have to really take it to that level and submit three to 400 things until you crack, until you find a Roy Thomas to hire you and right. draw some C level book that no one wants to draw. Whatever it takes, you just got to do it. Uh, But that's what you got to do, the 300 samples, you know? I mean, so people, if you're Travis Charest, you could do one sample, and they'll hire you on the spot, (laughs) right? We're not all that blessed.
2: Right. oh,
1: man, he fucking did it. A lot of guys do it like that, you know? I didn't do it like that. I was maybe too dumb or or too proud to do that, you know? I'm like, well, I'm not going to surrender my time (laughs) to make a Captain America sample, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then, but there, and then, and so then I would stray and I would snap back into the independent stuff. But then I'd be like, well, maybe I should, I'm not getting any work. Maybe I should just do a, go ahead and do some samples again. You know, there would be decades of that. So, you know, not that that was a half measure, but maybe looking back on it, I was like, well, maybe I should have done more. But I mean, whatever. It worked itself out, right? And to right. To your point or to your question, yeah, it took, me working on my own stuff uh to eventually have marvel take stock take notice of me rather and uh and give me work you know so it was kind of funny that it eventually worked out you know
0: yeah and, and you know and that's the thing too man just in terms of you know we were mentioning about you know the the famous you know Todd and Farlane stories about the submissions mm-hmm. and so forth you know I I think back to those past periods and, you know, you juxtapose it with how people are, quote-unquote, breaking in now. I mean, it's a totally different climate, just in terms of now the competition for those mainstream jobs is global, you know, and often, within that, they do want you to have done previous work, as opposed to, like, kind of like that early 20s experience that all young cartoonists have. It's like, oh, all I have to do is just do this one miraculous sample and they'll hire me on the spot. (laughs) You know, right. Right. That type of thing. When you're just coming out of high school or whatever, and you got this big dream of going to work for one of the big two or whatnot. And you think that Uh this sample is going to be the one, but you haven't even done five samples yet. You know what I'm saying? And, And yeah. And I just feel like today that that's where it's going, you know, just in terms of, they almost want you to have proven yourself, even if it's on your own work, making like a, just just a, a a grip of issues like, you know, five or 10 issues to show, hey, I, I am committed to cartooning. I know how to do this. I even made my own books. I wonder if that's probably the way to, quote unquote, break in now instead of just, you know, sending in samples because it's almost like today, who would you send samples into, you know?
1: No, right. Well, I think samples may be, like, one outdated way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was, like, the main way that people got work, really. You know, that was just sort of, like, what they fed you. Yeah. And, uh, and in a lot of ways, I, I think it's always been the way you just described it, which is you need to have a, a track record. You know, I mean, think about the guys who came from, like, first comics mm. back, back in the 80s or from the 70s mm. when, they, when they did, like, fan work. Yeah, um, or the '60s even, you know, um, and it's the same today. You got to have like an image book, or well, maybe that's a bad example because image kind of uh, entails something different mm-hmm. these days. But you know what I mean, like a, like a small press sort of thing. Just have some issues on your belt that are decent. They come out on time. They look fine. I mean, there are a lot of factors, you know, knowing the editor, knowing a creator, knowing someone, you know, clicking with someone, mm-hmm. but but. I don't know, at at the same time, it's a whole different game. Like the landscape is so different that even the companies are having difficulty figuring it out. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're just kind of hiring whoever, they just gotta, their main thing is getting the books out. That's all they care about. Not all they care about that's oversimplified, but you know what I mean? Like they just, they gotta put the books out, you know? And so they hire who they can, you know? uh, sure. There's like politics and favoritism and blah, you know, all that. Stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not our concern immediately. We're trying to get in. We're, you know, a, a concern for artists and freelancers. You know, you could think about that stuff and consider it, but at the end of the day, you got to have works. You got to have, you know, pages under your belt that they like, that they want to publish. They want to pay you for. Yeah. Um, or not, or you could just do, you know, your are uh, your creator own book and, just have a book and that could be like a hobby, you know, that could be your side gig that could pay a little bit, but it's not your career, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's something I, I kind of had to reckon with when I was you know, right, right before Copra, you know, Copra kind of came from a sort of last minute attempt at just having fun,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, that, you know, how the cliche goes, I almost didn't believe it, you know, because of like, <laughs> well, I guess, I guess, family you know he just wanted to give it one last shot and do it the way he wanted to do and then that's of course the thing that broke Mm -hmm. him you know the marvel whatever um and i just didn't buy it (laughs) you know because i was i was doing that thing i thought i was doing that same thing i was like producing my own work and thinking this is it like i'm gonna give it all you know but uh for some reason Cobra clicked you know uh, I I don't know why. I I kind of don't want to think about the details too much. Yeah. All I know is that I had a great time doing it. And I'm super lucky that people like it. You know what I mean? Um, And so that's where it came from. You know, it's sort of like you're back against the wall. I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Nothing> <laughs> do. And, you know, but years before I started self-publishing, which is something I didn't want to do either. You know, I just thought like, well, I just want to create, right? I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to worry about invoices and and stock, you know, mm-hmm. and inventory and shit. You know, yeah. I just want to sit and draw. Uh, you know, that's the romantic version of it, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But no one was fucking publishing me. Not not the stuff I wanted to publish. I've gotten published before, but for work for hire stuff. But then you got to do. It. I mean, and that's the thing about comics. There, the the stakes are so low that why not be bold? Why not take risks? So what if a comic may be uh, crappy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or, or a little raw or, you know, or a little immediate, like just do it. Right. And yeah. that's what I tried. You know, that's, that's the sort of approach I wanted to take in self publishing, uh, whether it be Vegas, which was my first self published anthology yeah. book yeah, or, or Copra or whatever else I published under that banner. But it's like, I just got sick of doing pitches, you know what I mean? Like Mm. refining pitches, like there's an art to the pitch and God bless the people that have managed to perfect that art, but it was frustrating me. That wasn't creating to me. That wasn't fun. Mm. Waiting for emails, waiting in line, waiting for responses. Like fuck that. It's comics. You know, (laughs) this isn't, this isn't fucking Hollywood. I'm not trying to pitch. A screenplay, you know what I mean, like yeah, I'm not trying to break into music or, or you know anything like that. this is a comic book, seriously, anyone can do it, and they do <laughs> they do it. anyone does a comic, you know if you go to these conventions, you can make a comic, whether it's good or not, that's a different qualifier, like that's beside the point yeah so then... I was just trying to I was just trying to take that approach to my own work, that's all, just like just why not, you know, why wait around? You know.
0: Yeah, and, and let, let me pause you right there, man, because that's exactly one of the points that I wanted to make sure I, I um, uh, hit upon with you. The the whole do-it-yourself spirit, you know, that you bring to the work. Like, uh, I think myself personally, I have almost, almost all of your published issues and as far as like Zagos, um, the Copra stuff, definitely. You know, and um, even even um, your, your your mini comic that led to Copra, a Death Zone, you know, mm-hmm. because I appreciated that 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 almost intimacy, you know, between yourself as the creator and having this limited print run to you know people that are you know purchasing and appreciating your books. And um, the other thing that that struck me too is is that I was thinking about it again today, uh, just in terms of your uh, bibliography and I I remembered that the only instance where you had crowdfunding was for, I think, Zegas 2, if I'm not mistaken? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, outside of that, it's all been, you know, self-financed for the most part, and each book, you know, kind of feeds into the next book. Whereas, you know, a lot of times today, people turn instantly to crowdfunding, you know, and just think that that's the end-all, be-all. But, that, that's the other thing that strikes me too, is that you kind of shy away from crowdfunding and, and you're doing all right. You're doing great, you know, as far as like with Copra. Right. So kind of where did that spirit come from in terms of, you know, just that do-it-yourself? Obviously, it was cultivated with doing your mini-comics and web comics and Zegos and so forth. But what was the leap in terms of when you got ready to launch into Copra with that? <laughs>
1: how did well, you... I mean. Double.
0: Well, go ahead. No, no, I was or just I gonna, run. I was just gonna say, how did you kind of make make a game plan, or did you make a game plan? It's like, okay, if I when I get ready to do copra, I kind of want to make sure it's monthly, or as close to monthly as I can, and I want a lack of uh, crowdfunding. Like, how how did you kind of jump copra well, off?
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> there are several factors. I mean, you know, the core of it is that DIY thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is sort of a a new concept in the past few decades, right? Yeah. Uh, Which I liked. Well, you know, in the mainstream books, I like creators that just kind of did it all. You Mm -hmm. know, you have your your Frank Millers and Walt Simonsons. Uh, And then you get deeper into it and you have like the Hernandez brothers and Dan Clouds and, you know, and even throughout history, just people that just did it all on their own or a lot of these tasks on their own. So through the years, I just kind of gravitated towards that, and that's sort of what I tried to cultivate on my own.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: trying to letter my own stuff, color my own stuff, and then it, that led to self-publishing, you know. Um, but when it came to Coper, though, for it to be, a, I just figured if I could make something on a regular basis to, in order to pay rent and bills mm. to make this into, you know, a career, yeah, I just crunched some numbers. I'm like, well, I need to sell X amount of books. And this is what the printing costs and uh, this is what I could afford, you know? So it was just, about, it, it was like basic math really.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then it was up to me to produce the content every month. Mm. And I you know, and I thought, well, I don't know if I can do that. You know, maybe I'll do a 16 pager. Maybe it'll be one color or black and white. And I'm like, no, if it's got to compete on the stands and I'm trying to channel this sort of type of adventure comic, it has to be full color and 24 pages, and it's got to be on me. And that's the quickest way that I could do it, you know? I don't have a team um, to, like, fun to workout to, yeah. uh, for better or for worse. It's just quicker that way, yeah. you know? Uh, there's a certain control freakishness to it, sure. you know? <laughs> uh, it was, it was so DIY was made for me, you know? Um, but really, I just crunched the numbers. And I'm like, well, if I, if I could get these people to show up, that's awesome. How do I get them to show up? Mm-hmm. And with my previous thing, Vegas, I, was, I felt like I was trying to reinvent the wheel every time. Hmm. You know, I wanted to make the greatest thing ever every single time. And that's so, it was just so taxing, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so as a result, I wanted to do something kind of fun that I didn't have to really think about. So I made that fan comic, Death Zone,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: which is the sort of adventure comic with the suicide Squad characters. Yeah. Um, and then that came and went, and it was fun. It was fine, and I was ready to go back into Vegas. You know, uh, the, the the serious work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but I'm like, well, fuck, man! I had such a good time doing Death Zone, Why don't I just do my own adventure comic? It, you know, and maybe that's that. I could I could maybe produce a serialized story that I could then extend for twelve issues, and let's see where it goes from there. I could do it a year. If I could commit to a year that's sold issues, what have I got to lose? That's a year of my life
2: to mm-hmm.
1: do something that I've always wanted to do. And I think I could do it. I, I just had to schedule it out. And like we talked about earlier, it's just that rhythm, build that muscle. You mm. know, I couldn't do that before. Are you kidding? Like do an issue. I could, I could barely finish a page a month at some point. <laughs> I feel that was so precious. Yeah. That was precious. Uh, you know, uh, schedule was crazy, whatever, whatever reason it was. Uh, but you slowly build that muscle. And if you make a schedule and you stick to it and you have a real deadline because people have paid money for this thing and the first of the month is coming up. I mean, you put your ass in the seat and you draw, you make this thing happen. Uh, and so that's kind of how, I, how I make it every month or every six weeks, however, you know, yeah. you know, it fluctuates, but there's first twelve issues are were definitely every month. And had nothing else on the plate. That's all I did. And, um, and I got to say, I wouldn't be able to do that without a couple of things. Oh. Uh, Etsy, which is that platform that people sell, you know, handmade jewelry and, and shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not really comics. Comics weren't really sold a few years ago when I first joined Etsy. Um, but they make it really easy for people to just log on and buy your stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so right there, I'm eliminating the middleman, you know, I don't need to go to Diamond. I don't don't even need to go through stores. I could just sell it directly to the person that wants it. As long as I could get those people to show up every month, I I made it. (laughs) (laughs) I just got to make that comic good, you know, and that's the subjective, weird, nebulous part. It's like, well, what the fuck makes it good? I just hope it's good. That's it. You know, you could schedule your comic to death. You could prepare for it. Uh, but if people aren't buying it, then Plan B, you know. Mm-hmm. No, no. So I'm really fortunate to have that, you know, to
0: have that SD platform to sell it. And well, let, let me ask you this, man. Um, you know, what at any point uh, before you started, Copra, uh did you consider um, having lead time? Because you know, for those that don't know what lead time is and comics is, is that mm-hmm. you know the the a uh, man on the street impression, delayed person's impression is that oh well a comic a, a comic is done that month you put it on the newsstand and that's it. When for the big two Marvel and DC and most most of the comics you know companies like that, it's usually lead time of about uh, two months or so. So yeah. So in terms of that, did you ever consider that as an option to kind of like you know have some type of buffer, or did you really want to go hardcore and just say no? I'm putting my ass on the line here. it has got to be every month, you know, on the dot. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I mean, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it with a, with that kind of buffer. You uh-huh. know, it kind of, this thing demanded that I start immediately and put it out immediately, you know. And that's, that's the sort of uh, schedule that I still have, you know, to this day. I just, you know, as soon as I post it online, it's probably already in my hands or it's days away from being on my doorstep. You know, I, I, I would kill for a lead time, Adrian. You <laughs> have no idea. <laughs> I, I would murder someone just to have a, a month off just to have an issue in the can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's totally normal. Some you know, people have like three or four issues. I think some minis, you have to have all six done before or they suggest that you have at least four
2: right. done. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe, you know, and maybe I'll work my way up to that maybe i'll but to me the lead time is like a month or two or three of not getting paid that's that was just mm. the setup that i had made up for myself yeah you know if you have savings if you have a, a good circumstance that's what you do that's what a lot of dudes do you know that's what they have to do they have to somehow make this comic maybe at nighttime while they have a day job again you know but I I can't do that. You know, this is my day job. So it's like I gotta make this thing happen, and it's it's a good motivator, you know, <laughs> Just to to get up
0: and get going, you know. Man, you, man, I love it, man. I love it. That passion, though. Shit. Do
1: it, Adrian. Come
0: on. Oh sh- I mean, I trying to be like you, dog? <laughs> but, but no, man. Uh, you pump
1: out stuff. You pump out stuff. I see it. Yeah, but I'm I, I, working. And I mean, that's a thing, man. It's like we've been trying to do this thing forever. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't stop.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's, there's no
1: end point, you know. It's that's the thing. It's like you, you gotta love it. You gotta have it. You gotta want it. You know. So, as mm-hmm. it's, as it's, it's, it's fucking corny as that it sounds, it's it's so true.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And and you know, um, one of the other things too with copra man that mm-hmm. that kind of reversed itself once I started reading it. Um, you, you, you know I, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just a comics head man like I know comics history front and backwards characters all the little nuances and everything so when I first got Cobra I was mad excited because for one this this is well this 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 is my boy right here man he, you know he putting it down you know but. <laughs> And, and you know at the outset it was just like because you remember I, I was emailing like oh is is this character this or that oh that they, they go to reverse <laughs> you know from yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff and you know and and while that was cool what I noticed is, is that somewhere around that um that period like say closer to that first year there was a switch that happened in terms of I stopped looking at looking at it as an analogy. Or analogs for these other characters, and it became right. its own book. I think probably once you started doing those um, single issues to vote to each um, uh, single character off that first team, um, that's yeah. when it was just kind of like, ah, oh, you know, this this switch is occurring, and now it really does. If you don't mind me saying, it really started to feel like now it's its own book. Now I'm not looking for the now anal- uh, uh, the analogs anymore, or things like that. It's its own story. So do you feel like that it it came about like, I'm sure you still have, you know, certain characters that you bring up have like, you know, little bits and pieces of, you know, just comics ephemera, you know, if that's the correct word, you know what I'm saying, but they became like their own characters. Like, did you kind of sense that as you uh, got into the series or did you kind of feel that switch happen? Um,
1: no, I didn't really notice the switch, uh, too quickly, you know, mm-hmm. and I haven't gone back and read the old, uh, the old issue. So I don't know how, how that dynamic works itself out. Gotcha. But the thing is when I first started, yeah, they were totally like, they were analogs, you know? And I felt like, um, I don't know, this, this may sound weird, but I felt like, you know, before I was talking about like making the greatest thing ever. yeah, Right. And like, Bowing to the sacred halls of comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of like saying, well, fuck that. I'm not going to bow to shit. There's a, there's a, and that sounds like stupid, but it's, there's a certain shamelessness that has to go along with it where it's like, just have fun. No one's looking. Who cares? Just mm-hmm. do it, right? And that's how I started. That's how this thing started. And I'm like, well, you know, I look back and I'm like, well, some of my favorite comics were analogs too, you know? Alan Moore's entire career is just a string of analogs. And if I'm to, and if I'm to tap into the energy of trying to get this monthly book out, I have to then put myself in the shoes of like a Jim Aparo or a Salishima. Right. As if I'm working for an editor in like 1978. Right. -hmm. So I have to put myself, I have to fake myself out um, and pretend that I'm just working for a company. You know, that I just have these characters and I have to crank out these stories quick. And uh, I don't care who I borrow from. That's why you see, like, a bunch of analogs. from things that I'm familiar with and I really respect and love. Um, But that's why those first twelve issues are such a breakneck kind of comic. You know, it doesn't stop. I'm just trying to get it done. And I'm trying to pull from all the different sources that inspired me. And, you you know, I, I just... I just didn't want to be stopped, right? I just wanted to keep doing this thing. Mm. And then by the by the time the 13th issue hit, that's the second year. That's what marks the second year. Yeah. For Copra, I felt like, well, the story, I have more story to tell, but I want to stop, slow down, dig deeper, mm-hmm. and get into the characters. And I think through that process, that's when it kind of became its own thing. Yeah. Uh, I Ideally, again, I haven't you've thought about it this deeply, where I'm like, oh, this is exactly when it happened, but I'm kind of guessing that it was around that time when I slowed down with issue 13 and onward. You know, the stuff that makes up the, the third round, uh, the collection, that's when it was like, oh, now we get to know these characters a little bit more. It's not just an adventure.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's not just a blood fest. Yeah. You know, and it kind of combined what I was doing before with this new stuff, you know? It was like the more character play, uh, you know, channeled through this adventure sort of crazy story, so it was a mix, you know. And I think now it's kind of leveled off, where I think it's it's found its own sort of uh, I don't want to say identity. I feel like it's always had its own identity, but again, I was I was uh, I was kind of pretending to be like these old dudes,
2: <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, like you you have you know you go through the the list, like someone's bibliography, right? Mm-hmm. Of say a, a Jerry Conway or something, you know just anyone. Pick a name, Roy Thomas, anyone. Her right. Trumpy, I mean anyone. They worked for twenty, thirty, forty years on just a bunch of random characters, making stories for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I and I had to feel, I had to channel that, and I had to just kind of feel like, well, I'm just, I'm just doing the same. I'm just telling stories with these characters. I don't care who invented them. Like someone did i'm just i just work here man
2: you
1: know Uh, the the thing is i i had to kind of obviously create my own so there's like a mix there it's a a balancing act you know like yeah sure most of them are analogs but then i have you know i have to create my own characters too you know so all right uh, so anyway that's that's how that came about gotcha
0: yeah yeah and you know and, and I, I think that that's exactly what happened. It's like, you know, like, like I mentioned, like, you know, the analogs, oh, you know, it was just fun to like see and like, oh man, this is cool. But once you enrich them with, uh, this sounds corny, but with, with the soul almost past the the glossiness of the, the breakneck adventure and everything, it just mm-hmm. felt like, all right, all right, yeah. Yeah, now 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 this is fully realized. Oh yeah, you know? um, And yeah, so it's, it's, your, your book is like, man, and I'm not saying it's just because you're, you're my friend, Joe. It's one of the <laughs> <laughs> let me get that disclaimer out the way first, but <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll take what I can get, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like one of the three monthly comics that I pick up, period. Now, period, like it's uh Cobra, and there's Batman, and, and Elf Quest, uh, no, nah. <laughs> not that one <laughs> Damn
1: it. I thought I knew you man
0: <laughs> apparently not I'm sorry yo. I betrayed your trust <laughs> <laughs> that concludes this episode of Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson any feedback or comments are greatly appreciated you can email the show at artistproofpodcast at gmail.com you can also leave comments on the show's main site at InazumaStudios.com. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Artist Proof with Adrian Johnson is a production of Inazima Studios LLC. Copyright 2016. Inazuma.